Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. Well, welcome Christ Fellowship. Good to see you all today. Yeah, well, listen, hey, Captain America says what's up to you all. And so we had a little debate as to who was going to come out here and teach God's word and who's going to stay behind and uh, fight those evil villains. But we said, you know what? Let me just go out and teach God's word and you stay behind, you know, fighting the enemy. But are you all ready to uh, dive into the movie The Endgame? Yeah? Yeah, so am I. Super excited. Well, at the beginning of, of, of the movie Endgame, even though all the Avengers had lost so many people that they loved, they still had a hope and they still had a plan. And that plan was to somehow, some way, find Thanos wherever he was hiding, take that glove off, and reverse all the damage that he had done. And so as the movie develops, they finally are able to locate where Thanos is deep in the corner of the universe. And that is the moment where all the Avengers assemble and they go find Thanos. In fact, take a look at this scene. Church family, did you hear what he said? Thanos' death was inevitable. And from that moment on, listen, the Avengers realized that Thanos had the power of death. And the truth of the matter is that there was nothing that they could do about it. And so from that point of the, of the movie, they all go their separate ways and they live the, the rest of their lives discouraged and truth be known, listen, without any hope of a future. Now, church family, let me just bring all that over to our teaching for today because church family, isn't what a picture of our enemy and the power that he possesses. And by that, I mean that just like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thanos was their great enemy that possessed the power of death over all living things. Folks, just like that. In fact, here's the big idea for this weekend. In the real universe, in the real story of redemption, our enemy, namely the devil, he holds the power of death over every single one of us, over our families, our friends, and everyone who lives in this world. Now, you may be sitting there at one of our campuses, and you may be thinking, Pastor, what do you mean that our enemy has the power of death? I mean, if I can be honest, it just sounds a little odd. It's, it sounds a little weird. But if he does, if he does, is there anybody that could take that power away from him and finally defeat him? Well, we're going to find out from Hebrews chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 2, everyone, at all campuses. And uh, by the way, today it's going to be more, a little more like teaching than preaching we're going to dive into some really complex things in God's Word, but I really believe it's going to be super, super encouraging for us. So with that in mind, I have three thoughts for us today about how it is that the devil holds the power of death and who can disarm him. So write this down as point number one. Our enemy has real, real 
power over death. Now, family, I begin with that very simple but foundational point because oftentimes we tend to think of Satan or enemy in very abstract terms. You know, we've never seen the enemy. We don't know how it looks like. And so for many of us, you know, we, we think of him in abstract terms and we even tend to minimize who he is. In fact, there was a moment in my life where I minimized who our enemy was in my, in my own life. In fact, take a look at my picture of when I was two or three years old right there. Yeah, I was a little devil for trick-or-treating at one point in my life, long time ago. So I went from, from being a little devil to being a pastor, right? But, he, but listen, folks, the reason I show that picture is to show you how we oftentimes tend to minimize our enemy. And we like to chuckle about it and we just play around, but truth be known, God wants us to have a very accurate understanding of who he is. In fact, listen to what Hebrews chapter 2, our passage for today, listen to what it says, how it describes him. It says that he is the one who holds the power over what? Death. Over what? Death. Over death. That is the devil. Now, church family, at all, at all campuses, go ahead and circle the word death right there in your handout or in your Bible. Circle the word death in Hebrews chapter 2. Because the word death in the original, in the original Greek uh, text, you know, we always like to remind you that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. Well, the word there for death is the Greek word thanatos. Thanatos. Now, who does that sound like? Thanos, right? In fact, his word Thanos in the movie literally means death. Which, by the way, as we go through this passage, you're going to see how it's almost odd like that the creators of this movie took the text, the, their storyline, right from this passage. And you'll see what I mean. And so the devil, as we see, just like Thanos, he, held the, he holds the power of death. Now, when we think of our enemy, it's important for us to have a very healthy understanding of who he is. Because oftentimes, this is what happens, oftentimes some people really overestimate who he is. Other people go the other extreme and they underestimate who he is. And that's why some churches rarely talk about him. We got to keep quiet about all that stuff. And some churches, unfortunately, all they do is talk about the enemy and over-spiritualize every little component. So today, my goal is just to kind of bring us into a healthy balance so that we have a really healthy understanding of who our enemy is and what his power is. Now, church, many of you know that his original name was not devil or Satan, but actually his name was Lucifer. And he was really the highest ranking, um, most really most beautiful angel that God created. In fact, listen to what Ezekiel 28 says as a description of, of who he was. This is God speaking. He says this. It says, you were the seal of perfection, full of what? Full of wisdom and perfect in what? In beauty. Wisdom and beauty he had. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. And you were anointed as what? Guardian cherub, meaning cherub is a high-ranking angel it, it seems like he was the one who guarded the, the throne of God. It says, for so I ordained you. 
You were on that holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. And you were blameless in your ways from the days you were created till wickedness was found in you. Pause right there. Very important text in God's word. Now, two things that we see from, from this passage. Number one, it's evident that Lucifer was a created being. You know, oftentimes people, especially in secular society, they have this perception that it's God who represents good and then the enemy, Satan, who represents bad and evil, and that somehow they're co-equals. But the truth of the matter is, listen, that God is infinitely powerful, infinitely glorious, infinitely wonderful. Amen? Amen. And Lucifer, he's simply a created being. There's no comparison between God and Lucifer. However, Lucifer had great beauty, had wisdom, has had high ranking until wickedness was found in him. See, sometime in eternity past, Lucifer wanted to usurp the glory of God. He got so close to God and his glory that he wanted to supersede our great God in glory. And so that's the moment that God casted him out of heaven and with him took a third of the angels who also rebelled against God. And so even though Lucifer was of great beauty, great high ranking, listen, here's the reality. He did not have the power of death. In fact, write this in his letter A. His power was not inherent. In other words, that power that the, that the passage of Hebrews here speaks about is not a power that he was created with. Instead, write this down as letter B. His power instead really was acquired. See, just like Thanos in the movie Avengers, he did not have the power of death himself, but rather had to acquire it from outside of himself. You see the, similar, the, the, the similarity here? Just like that, our enemy did not have the power of death. He had to go outside of himself to acquire that. Now, you may be wondering, well, Pastor, where did our enemy acquire this power? But folks, for that, we have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Because before the, gar before the Garden of Eden, he did not have this power. But the moment that Adam and Eve, they decided to rebel against God, not break that trust and that faith, and they sinned against God, the moment that they laid their hand on that fruit and pulled on that fruit, it was almost like the trigger for him to obtain the power of death. The moment they took that fruit, our enemy acquired the power of death, which means that if the devil acquired the power of death at the fall, at the first sin, then that must mean, write this as big number two, that our enemy's only sin against you and against me is our own sin, is our own sin. Now, folks, this is critical for us to understand because once we understand this, we will not be people who give the enemy way too much power and we will be people who don't underestimate him as well. Because just like Daniel's main weapon was not of himself, in the same way, listen, our enemy's weapon against us is not of himself, but it's rather your sin and my sin. So you may be thinking, well, pastor, help us understand, help me understand a little bit, a little bit more about this. Because how is it that the devil's main weapon against us 
is our own sin. How does he use that against, uh, against us? We'll write this down as letter A at all campuses. It's because he accuses us before Heavenly Father. He accuses us before Heavenly Father. Now think this through with me for a moment. Here's what's interesting. In this passage in Hebrews chapter 2, the one that we're dissecting today, it's interesting that God could have referred to our enemy with any name. He could have called them, he could have referred to him as Lucifer. He could have called them Satan. He could have called them our enemy. He could have called them the deceiver. He could have called them a roaring lion, right? He could have called them with, referred to him in any name. But church family, what is the name that he chooses to refer him to at this moment? The devil. Now, now family, circle the word devil right there in your handout or in your Bible. Because the word devil in the original Greek text is the word diabolos. The word diabolos simply means accuser. Instead of Satan, which means adversary. And so the reason God chose to use the word devil in this specific passage is because his power, listen up, is directly tied to his ability to accuse you of your sin and accuse me of, our, of, of my sin. In fact, listen to what Revelation chapter 12 says about how he accuses us before our heavenly father. It says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before who? God. Before God, day and night, day and night. See, his only power against us is to accuse us of our own sin because he knows that what my sin and your sin deserves ultimately is eternal death and eternal separation from God. That is the consequence of every single one of our sins, minor or major. The consequence of our sin is eternal death and eternal separation from God. And so his deadly weapon against us is simply to be able to accuse us before our Heavenly Father. Now, on this weekend, I just want us to think really practically of how this impacts you and me. Because for just for a moment, wherever you're at, at whatever campus you're, 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 you're sitting at right now watching, or here or online, I want you to pause for a moment right now and think of that season in your life that you're so ashamed of. Think of that, those moments, that season in your life, that every single time you go back to that moment, you think, how could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so foolish? Why did I do that? And you just replay that season in your life over and over and over. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's that time in your life that you had a habitual sin. Maybe you went through it. Maybe you're still right now. Maybe you're still dealing with that right now. And it's a sin that you struggle day after day, week after week, month after month, and unfortunately for some of us, year after year. So here, here's what happens. Every time you think about those things or every single time you mess up, here's what he does. Here's what the enemy does. It's almost like he drags you before the Father, throws you before him and says, give them what they deserve. 
Give them what they deserve. So every single time that you think of your own life, of your, that marriage that you had before, and you think of all the things that you did, the way you acted, those things you did, the words you spoke, and you think to yourself how it led to a divorce, to the destruction of that marriage, guess what? He drags you before the Father, throws it before him and said, hey, God, you remember you gave him a spouse? And they were so in love, but look at what she did. Look at what he did. Give them what they deserve. Or every single time, perhaps, that you go back to that drink and you pound the drinks, and you're pounding the drinks, or maybe you go back to the drug, or whatever addiction you may have, you may struggle with. Every single time he drags you before the Father and says, hey, God, you died to give them freedom, didn't you? Well, look at what they're doing. Look how he keeps drinking. Look, give him, give him exactly what he deserves. Whenever you think about those times in your life where you just let your anger get out of control, you say those things, you, just, you hurt the people around your spouse, your children, your friends, and you blow up, you get into fights. He drags you before the Father, and he says, Hey, God, you speak blessings over them, don't you? You speak all these good things, and look how they act. Look how what they're saying. Look how what they told their spouse. God, give them what they deserve. Or maybe you, when you walk around, you see the little kids playing. Or when you're watching TV and politicians are debating of abortion, about abortion. You think of the time that you had that abortion, he dragged you before the father. God, you gave him, you gave her a child, and look what they did. You know what you need to do. You need to give them what they deserve. Or maybe you're struggling with lust. And you're lusting, maybe you're sleeping outside of the covenant of marriage. Maybe perhaps you're... With your phone or your computer, you're going to those pornographic websites, and you are looking at all those videos, all those pictures. Guess what? He drags you before the Father. He says, hey, God, you are a pure, holy God, right? Look what they're doing. Look, every time he clicks, look, look what she's doing. Give them, God, what they deserve. Just to show you how deep this goes into our lives, studies have been, have been done at church and the reason that so many men don't serve at church, don't do, are not involved in church, it's not because they don't love God. It's not because they don't want to, but they're so riddled with that guilt of the habitual sin that they feel like they can't serve God. And church family, listen, it starts affecting our marriages. When we feel accused for God, it starts affecting our friendships, our relationships, how we act, our self-esteem, our joy, and even our ability to serve at church. You see how far it goes down? Here's the worst part about it. Write this down as B, because it gets worse. Our Heavenly Father, He cannot overlook that sin. When the enemy drags you before the Father, God cannot overlook that sin. Now, church, help me just processes just a little bit here. 
Because part of what makes God all glorious and all perfect is not that he's all powerful, it's not that he's all loving, it's not that he's all, you know, glorious, it's that he's also perfectly just. And the devil you're accuser, he knows exactly that God simply, because of his justice, cannot simply just overlook your sin. Now, you may be wondering, well, pastor, why can't God overlook sin? I mean, truth be known, listen, my spouse sins, like, it does things against me. My friends have done this. My schoolmates have backstabbed me. This guy in the street. And listen, I've had to overlook a lot of flaws against me, uh, sins against me, and I have to overlook it. So why can't just God overlook my sin? Well, here's what we tend to forget. Nothing is at stake when someone sins against you. Our names are not at stake. Why? We're just sinful people. But God's name, on the other hand, he is infinitely glorious. Amen, family? Which, listen, which means that if he simply just overlooks that sin that you've committed, that means that he's not as just as he says he is, and he's not as glorious as he says he is. So the biggest dilemma in the universe that, you, that so many billions of people wake up every single morning and never think about is how can God remain fully glorious, fully just, and at the same time extend mercy to sinful people? You see, if he upholds his justice and his glory and his name, then listen, then he cannot be a merciful God. He can't. Conversely, if he chooses to exercise mercy towards us and forgive us, guess what? Then he no longer is just and he's no longer glorious. And so God, even though God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you and he wants to forgive you of your sin, listen, listen, his own justice won't let him. And so just like in the movie Avengers, listen, you and I are without hope before a holy, righteous, and just God. You know, by going back to the movie Avengers, the, at, towards the end of the, the previous movie, there's a scene where Dr. Strange, which, which is one of the Avengers, he decides to go into the future to see if there's any way that Thanos could be defeated? Is there any way that he could be disarmed of this power of death that he had over them? And so take a look at what happens when he goes into the future. One. See, from that moment on, the Avengers knew that there was only one possible way that they could defeat their great enemy. And church family, just like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the same is in the real universe, the real story of redemption. See, there's only one way that we, that the, our enemy could be defeated. And what is that thing? Here's, here's write this up to the big number three. Only the death of Christ could defeat our enemy. Do you believe that, family? Only the death of Christ could defeat our enemy. In fact, let's go back to the passage for today in Hebrews chapter 2. Listen to what it says. 
For Christ who shared in their humanity. In other words, even though he was per all infinite God, he took on human flesh. And he says, so that by his what? So that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. See, it was the death of Christ that broke the power of death that our enemy had. And here's what I love, folks. Listen, and I want you really just to treasure this thought. Here is where we see the infinite wisdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the infinite wisdom of God. Is that through the cross, God designed a way for him to remain fully glorious. You see, through the cross, he was able to execute justice against sin, exactly what it deserves. And that through the cross, he was also able now to extend forgiveness of sins to sinners who at the same moment, listen, defeat the power of the enemy. Folks, do you believe that? And so, folks, it's through the cross that we see the wisdom of God through his son, Jesus Christ, taking his place on the cross for you and for me. And listen what it says in Colossians of what happened at that moment of the cross. Listen. It says, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the what? To the, to the cross. And having disarmed the power and authorities, he made a public what? A public spectacle. A public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Church family, can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so it's through the cross, listen, that we see our great enemy being defeated. But here's the thing. It could only be Jesus dying in our place. In fact, let me just give you a quick, I'm going to pose a scenario for you to see so you can understand this. Suppose that Christian Bob, ordinary Christian, right? He somehow, someway is able to live a perfect sinless life. Let's call him sinless, sinless Bob. And sinless Bob is a regular man just like you and I, but he was able to live a sinless life. Now, here's a question that I will pose to you. Could sinless Bob go to the cross and die for your sins and my sins? The answer is no. Well, here's why. Write this down as letter A. is because man cannot save man. Man cannot save man. Instead, write this down as letter B. Only God can save man. Amen? Only God could save man. See, it took the precious blood of the incarnate God, fully man, fully human, to be able to stand in her place at the cross and die for your sins and my sins. You see, it, the only way was for Jesus himself, God in the flesh, to die in your place and my place. And, for, and family, just like Jesus was the only person that could die in our place, going back to the movie, there was only one way and one person that could die in the place of all humanity, of all living things. And the movie, that person is Iron Man. In fact, take a look at how the movie ends.
Church family, what an image of what Christ did for us at the cross. Amen? And you know, I love that scene because there comes a point that, as you just saw, that Spider-Man comes before Iron Man, right? And he kneels before him. And I just told him, thank you. Thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you for sacrificing for us so that we could have a hope and a future. And church family, isn't that exactly what we do when we come before the cross? We come before the cross and we say, thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross for us so that we couldn't ha shouldn't have to, to be able to free us from all of our sin and all of our guilt and all of our shame that we struggle with. And now we can have a future, our children can have a future, and we will spend eternity with God. Don't you love that, church family? And so listen, as we move forward, sure, the enemy may still be around, and he may try to discourage us and mess with us, but listen, church family, make no mistake about it, that decisive blow was given to him at the cross. And there's gonna be a day when Jesus returns to this earth, and he will finally go and make him put him away for all eternity and we will spend eternity with God. Do you believe that church family? And that is our great hope because our enemy has been defeated. We have a great hope. And so today we're going to be ending today with a song, an oldie but a goodie. But listen, it's so applicable to our, to where we are. And the song is called, The Enemy Has Been Defeated. Shout out to God. And here's the lyrics, very simple. All right, let me go through them with you. It says, the, the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make our praises sound. Do you believe that, church family? Go and stand up with me. Let me say it one more time just so that you embrace it. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold him down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. And we're gonna make our praise alive. And family, they say like we believe it. Come on. Oh!
men standing there with all heads bowed, with everyone at all campuses. Let's bow your head for just a moment. All heads bowed. You know, it's interesting that some of us may be here today. For the first time, we realize that our sin needs to be paid for. And the truth be known, you don't have a relationship with God. And there's something in you right now, wherever you're at, all campuses, and you think, I wish I could have a relationship with God and experience forgiveness of sin. So I want to give you that chance today. You may be asking, well, Pastor, how do I do that? Do I come to church? Do I got to good, do good things? Listen, the Bible says that the only thing that could lead to forgiveness of sins and eternal life is you putting your trust and your faith in what Christ did for you at the cross. And the Bible says that the moment you put your trust and faith, listen, He forgives you of all of your sins. He gives you eternal life. And for the rest of your life, you'll be able to live a life that honors Him and glorifies Him walking alongside your God. And so if that's you at all campus, I'm going to ask you just to pray right now with me with all eyes closed. And listen, when you pray, don't pray this to me. Pray that to the Lord who loves you, who died for you. I'm only a man. He's the only God who can save. So pray this with me. Father, today I realize your great love for me. And I realize that my sin needs to be paid for. And so Lord, I come before you. And I put my trust and my faith in you. I ask you for forgiveness for all of my sins. And I ask you, Lord... To help me live from now on, Lord, a life that honors you and pleases you. Thank you, Lord, for defeating the enemy once and for all. So that I could have a future and a hope. And I cannot wait to spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord. Because in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Baby, you want to give it up for those who came to know Christ at all campuses? Listen, your, your campus pastor is going to come up now and give you some next steps. If you pray that prayer, be sure to follow their next steps. But Christ Fellowship, I love you all. God bless. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemmy.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.